Welcome to another episode of On the Clock. We're here with your hosts, Raul Lascano and George Martinez. You're on the clock. All right, man, we're back joining the show. We got the legend, the man, the myth, the man that pretty much runs the South when it comes to youth football. We have a Miami Garden Ravens legend here. We got Rod Mack coming to the show. What's up, sir? How you doing? Hey, what's up, man? How how y'all fellas doing? We're good, man. You know, we're making it in these crazy, crazy times. We're doing pretty good, man. But first, before we get started with anything, man, how are you and and, and your family doing with the quarantine and COVID? How, How are you guys handling it? Good, man. Obviously, I can see all of us uh, respecting social distance. You know, we are yep. a little longer than usual. But, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, it's it's a it's it's a, it's a it's some it's some blessings in it, man. Obviously, I had a my son who played on my football team. You know, he never really got opportunity for me to spend one on one time with him. So mm. during this time, the everything going on just gave us some time to kind of. Gonna do some workout and me kind of just focus on him a little bit. So it's been a blessing in, in, in that in that sense. Yeah, same same thing here, Coach. I mean, we so when this thing hit with the COVID, we basically started doing zooms not only with our team in high school because we're both high school coaches over at Jefferson High School, but we started to um, talk to coaches, college coaches, NFL coaches. We built a lot a big network, and then we started this this podcast, and then it got picked up by Our Heart Radio. And we're like, oh, well, okay. So there, there was a blessing amongst this whole, you know, craziness that was happening. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I agree with you, man. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, same thing, man. Like I said, it just gave me the opportunity between my son and my daughter, who was uh, one of the top gymnasts her age in the country. Wow. So just having the opportunity to kind of just be with them and, and push them a little bit has been fun for me. Would it be wrong for me to to ask you that we might have to go ahead and interview her for <laughs> top gymnasts? I don't want it just to be about football, basketball, uh, soccer, everything. everything. We want all the all those kids, man. That's cool. She got the personality in the family, man. She was, um, you know, she was one of, uh, she'll be 11 in July. She's a level seven gymnast. Wow. Um, and she's uh, one that has some of the top scores in the country. She did before the pandemic, you know, she had a, a floor routine that was like a nine, 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 almost perfect score. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah, she, she working at it, man. So she probably the best athlete out of everybody. And how man. old is she again? How old is she? Uh, she's 10. She'll be 11 in July. Oh, so her brother's around oh. the corner. When's her birthday? Uh, July 9th. It's her birthday. Oh, that's what's up, man. Yeah. My, uh, my son will be two in July okay. and his birthday's July 11th. Oh, so wow. two days later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, that's, that, that, that's what's up, man. Now, yeah. you've been coaching a long time. You've been yeah. doing this for, for a long time. What got you into coaching from the very beginning? I mean, uh, you know, obviously I played football. I grew up around the game. And mm-hmm. my oldest son, when he wanted to play football, I took him back to Miami Gardens where I grew up at. And I wanted some of my friends who I played and with to coach him. And, you know, once I got around it and, you know, just I saw the need for it, man. I saw the need. The kids needed that, and I just kind of got involved while he was playing on like a, one of the PV teams. I went to coach the older group of kids. It gave me an opportunity to to not be on top of him and be right. all, you know, one of those parents. So I'll be on the other side of the park just coaching. Yeah. And um, from that from that team, you know, I just kind of built, man. And uh, you know, I went from just being the coach to running the program, and, and uh, you know, it's just having a lot of success. Man, and it is having a lot of success. The Miami Garden Ravens, I think, I mean, that purple machine is exactly what it is, man. It's a machine, yeah. and 
I, I could imagine. Did you have a lot of struggles building that program up, or was it already established, or do you have other visions for um, it as well? Now, so really, before we were the Miami Gardens Ravens, we were uh, the Miami Gardens Chargers. So we used okay. to be the Chargers, and um, the city had to do some consolidating the parks. And, and so we wound up uh, combining with another program and um, became the Miami Gardens Ravens. And, you know, I was the president, and, and just we just took it and ran, man. We just had the opportunity to be fortunate to have a lot of talent come through our programs. A lot of kids uh, went on to – major D1 schools, oh, yeah. some of the kids are, um, you know, had opportunity to play in the pros, so we had a lot of pros come through our program. Uh, you know, we got a, a kid now who's uh, at the Tampa Bay Bucks, Carlton Davis is there as one of our Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Dalvin Cook played in the program. Auburn's um, mm. running back now, Sean Shivers, played in the program. So it's literally a machine. You're just manufacturing great athletes. It's, it's literally a machine that's down there creating great athletes. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's been it's just it's it's been a blessing, man. It, it really has. Because when I grew up in that neighborhood, um, at that time we really didn't have a program. So I played for a program that was, um, you know, outside of where we were at. So just to come and be able to have a program right where we I grew up at, and I go back there and just kind of keep it going. That's awesome. Now, in all the years you've been doing this, I mean, again, a long, long time, mm-hmm. is there any game or two that stands out to you as one, being one of your favorite games that you coached in or maybe observed as a president in one of your other teams we're playing in? What What's one of the favorite games that you look back like, man, that's I that, mean, that's out of the books? As a coach, um, one of my favorite games, I think, as a coach, um, you know, you like to be tested. And I had some games that, honestly, that I lost that was a good game just because it was a challenge and it was tough and you had to really coach it all the way through. Um, I think just with the Purple Machine, just with that run we had, I think um, a couple of my favorite games was probably we played the Wilmington Pilots out of California, um, which was a very, very physical game. Very physical game. They made us – it was more than just – you know, skill on the field. It was really a chess match and us making moves and, and them making moves. So that was a, a really good game. Um, playing against Welcome All Panthers out of uh, Atlanta mm-hmm. was another very, very uh, good game uh, to be and be a part of. But as a spectator, uh, one of the, my favorite games was probably to watch with Witness was my, um, they'll be 13 you, but at the time when we were, they were 11 years old. Um, the, our team, they won the national championship and they was down maybe like by 28 points at one point in time in the game. Wow. And they came back and won it. And so, really? uh, yeah, so that was, and they won the national championship when they were down and everybody thought the game was over. So they fought back and took it to overtime and wound up winning that game. So those are games that stick out lately, I can say, are some of my favorite games. That's great, man. So over here in Tampa, man, we – we just started getting back to football, um, yeah. you know, with youth football in high school, and we they got a lot of rules and things that we're trying to, to we're trying to keep doing as far as what Hillsborough County wants us to do with the distancing and taking temperatures. And youth football has it gotten back to youth football down there or high school any chance? No, no youth football at all here, man. Um, Tampa is yeah. far ahead of where we are here. Yeah. High schools at this point have not even uh, started to really practice yet. So. Wow. Um, and so right now, from a youth standpoint, the parks are still closed. We are still in, I guess, phase one. Okay. So I think you got to get to phase three before the parks can open. Mm. And so we're a long way off from that. So um, I think some people may, you know, doing some things behind the scenes. But as far as 
my program, we just been trying to respect them, respect what's going on with C CDC and everything, and just try to um, wait it out before we get started. I know most high schools, but I don't think things will really move here with the youth game until the high schools get it figured out. So once the high right. schools get it figured out, then I think youth will follow. Do you think they will figure it out? Do you think that it will be football down south? Because that's a. Yeah, I think I think it'll be high school football. Uh, youth football, I'm hopeful, but I'm not sure. Right. Um, I am a lot more hopeful now that I'm speaking to guys like yourself out of Tampa and other right. areas that are so far along. But if you're in South Florida, I mean, we're still stagnant. A lot of things aren't happening. Um, but I think high school football will figure it out. Even if they got to do it like JV games, it's in the middle of the day, nobody really there. Right. I think they may figure that out. But I'm not sure from a uh, from a youth standpoint. I'm hopeful, though. Yeah, I, I bet, man. Because we – like we, we at over at the park that we coach at uh, or I coach at over the park – you know, you got to take the temperatures for everybody. I mean, practice starts at 630, yeah. but everybody's been showing up at 6. It's about 300 kids, and, and everybody has to be marked with a band. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. But I, we're hopeful, too, that we can still uh, play football. Even though we're practicing right now, we never know when a spike might happen, and the county says yeah. no. So uh, yeah. we had heard that down know. south was it was being tough and being hit the hardest. Yeah, it's still really tough here, man. So we hope. I think we can use it. Everybody can use that release, just that escape. Football, you know, would be good for for us. You know, as a country, obviously, we want to stay safe, though. But it'd be good if we can't get back to it. Right. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, you know, the one positive thing about COVID is it kind of brought us back to the house. Right. Yeah. Us as coaches, we spend most of our time with our kids and our players and organizations and businesses and companies, and we're back at the house. I mean, I've, I've seen my kids and my wife more, especially now that football season technically first would have started a little while ago more in the house than I've ever been right, right now. So at that quality time, you can't really take it back and, and you really cherish those kind of moments. So, I mean, you know, the, the good part is we're back with the families, but hopefully soon we get to open back up and get to do back the, the, the things we love to do. Um, I know I know you have a special young man yeah. down in the Miami, Miami uh, Garden Ravens, Bullet. Yeah. Tell us about him and where is he going to high school and, and what, do you, what do you see from him in the future? A special kid, man. I think mm -hmm. it, the, the sky's the limit for him. Um, his talent is definitely there, but because his mentality, his work ethic, uh, he's, he never complains. He's with all the accolades and everything, he may get in all the attention he got as, as such a young kid. He's still a yes sir, no sir type of kid. That's you good. can coach him, you can talk to him. Um, he, mm -hmm. he understands. His parents did a really good job with that. Keep him as a as a child. You know, he he, he know he's he's not going to be like he's on your level. He's going to respect you mm -hmm. in that area. So I think that alone will, will get him far along with his talent. Um, his mentality on the football field is go. Um, he's, he's a violent football player. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's going to be a tailback at, at the next level. Um, I think he's going to be a tailback. He's going to go to uh, he's going to go to Shamanah Madonna High School, um, mm -hmm. and they have a they have oh, a, nice. a good program. Um, they had one of my other backs, Sean Chavez, who now is a running back at Auburn, mm -hmm. um, came from the program, went to Chaminade, and, and, and went on to there. Chaminade is a really good back now. I think he's committed to Miami. And, and Bullet Davion is the heir apparent to that job. After the, after the kid leaves this year, he'll be a senior. Right. Um, I think he'll play as a freshman. He's going to play varsity as a freshman. He, right now, probably about five, nine and a half, five, ten, one ninety. 190. Mm. Um, so he has excellent Man. size. Right. Um, excellent size um, for, you know, he'll grow, he'll get stronger and, you know, some of the things that he can improve on just will improve with age. Right. But he has the vision and the patience uh, to catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, top end speed, he has that um, enough speed. 
uh, but he has the things that you need to be a running back. I think speed, you know, a certain level of speed is, is, is necessary, but being the fastest guy on the football field as a tailback, I think is overrated. I, I, I think power vision I agree. is um more important than just being a flat out burner. And he has all those other things that go along with it. So right. he should be okay. Yeah, because I'm looking forward to that's yeah, why I asked about tough yards. Yeah, that's yeah. why I asked about high school. I, I'm really looking forward to to seeing him at the next level and and following yeah. him. And, I, and I'm admit to you, Rod, man. I'm I'm admit when you talk about kids going to University of Miami, it brings a smile to my face, man. I'm not gonna yeah. lie to you. Like I love all the coaches we we, we talk to college wise, but I'm a Miami guy, man. I, so when you tell me oh he's committed to Miami, I'm sitting here rubbing my hands like oh thank you, G. Yes, yeah. yes. I try to do my part, man. I got a lot of kids who came through the program that went to Miami to Artie Burns, Tracy Howard, Jermaine Grace. Wow. Yeah. All those kids are Raiders. All those kids came through the program. Um, so, you know, we try to, you know, I do my part to, to, to make them bleed. Hurricane. Yeah, yeah do, the, do the hometown thing, man. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I want to ask you switching gears here, man. I want to ask you some more of a sports questions as far as what's going around the leagues and, was going to sports news, man. I wanted to get your opinion on, on the NBA. NBA is supposed to be coming back. Supposed to be having the games here in Orlando. Um, supposed to be having a new format. But recently, Kyrie Irving has been making a major push as far as not playing the remainder of the season. What are, what are some of your thoughts on, on that, do you think? Um, I, I, I have to admit, when it comes to basketball, I am a basketball playoff fan. Yeah, I am so. too. There you go. I, am too. I, I, admit, I, I love it. I watch the game, but playoff is when I really focus in on basketball. Right. Um, I understand it, though. I, under, I understand both sides of it. From from a personal health, a personal safety standpoint, I totally understand what Kyrie is talking about, wanting to be safe, wanting to make sure that everything that they have an answer for, um, what's going on now before they start back to playing. So I get that side of it. But on the other hand, I also get the – that from a country as a sports fan right. and right. all of us, I think sports is, is somewhat of a religion here in, in yeah. America. So um, to have that outlet, to have something to do, to be able to have a basketball game, a playoff season, to, to think of all of us at home, we had playoffs, man, it'll make it just that much more bearable. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. More bearable with football. If it was football season, they wouldn't have to worry about social distance or people in the street. Yeah. You don't watch your football, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> right. um, and that's true. That's a good point to look at it, man. Because yeah, so. we're playoff guys, too. We, You know, the format, before Kyrie Irving didn't want to play the season, when I heard about the format being, you know, just a certain amount of games, it started making me think, and George, and we talked about it on our last podcast, we were talking about how that, might, that format going forward, you know, you might get a lot more players to continue playing the game and not have to sit so much. Because a lot of times yeah. you go to the games, you're like, okay, LeBron's not playing this week. Or whatever the case is, because he wants to rest for those 82 games. But if they shortened it, you know, then you kind of have to play those games and make sure you get into the playoffs. George brought up a good point about record. They probably won't have a record. You won't be able to, you know, get top score or or whatever the case is because the season's not so long. I mean, you know, just as a professional, I work with professional athletes. um, So everything for me just goes back to money. And I just think that from that standpoint, if they shorten some games, they're gonna to try to shorten pace. So right. Oh, that's yeah. going. That's that's the biggest thing that probably comes into mind. Um, how they would work that out. But I agree. I think that um, the basketball that I grew up watching, when guys Jordan played every night, right, every single night, right. <laughs> so now you know, I get it though. I'm, just because he did it does not make it 
the the wise thing to do. Right. The way we tackled and hit back when we were young was totally different now. Oh yeah. Um. So I just think that to be able to preserve your body, the, the you can't question. Um. Whatever LeBron chooses to do with his body, you you can't question because he's been healthy for longer yeah. than anybody. So. Right. right. That's true. Something. That's true. He's got to be doing something right. You're right. So with college players now, with football players, the uh, Santos here in Florida says that the college players uh, will get revenue for likeness. What, what do you think about yeah, that? I like it. Uh, coming from having experience in playing college football, though, I like it. I think the kids should be paid. Uh, I think they should earn money for, 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 you know, so much money going around. But I'm cautious, again, because I know – once you once you introduce money into it's a lot of other things that's gonna come along with it. College mm-hmm. is already cutthroat games. Kids right, being right. put in a position where they where they you know being forced to transfer sometimes. Kids um you know getting where they kind of showing the door. And if you paying them, that's going to accelerate that that process even more. Coaches not gonna have a lot of patience. And I also think that um, if it was my son, so I have right. a son that's in college now. I got one that'd be a freshman in high school. Um, I would want to have, I would, I'll be all for a system that paid them money, but also put money away for them in the future. In the future, uh, right. Yeah, because I, I I can't see, or well, I don't, you can't find a good reason to give a, a 18 to 19 year old 100, 200 grand, man. That's like, that's, right. if, I don't know the type of money, you know, but I saw something that said that, um, I think it said Clemson players, if they, if they had did an evaluation that they would make, you know, they would be worth that kind of money. Wow. So if it was my son, I would want to bank some of those dollars. I just played with so many guys that are now, you know, in their 40s and they're struggling, you know, just right. for whatever reason. So I think taking that money and putting that money up for them, giving incentives to get degrees, incentives to do certain things, and also um, having that money for them in the future when it's needed. Obviously giving them more money than they get now in college, but, you know, the bulk of that money, I would want to see it put up for their future. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point because that's something that's not really talked about is how, how does that kind of work with the yeah. structure of it. And I think you bring up a point. You give a kid, you give a young man a salary, right? From that, he gets, he gets a portion of it as a salary that kind of gets him by, um, furnishes his apartment, food, puts money in his pocket, but enough where it's still controlled, where yeah. he doesn't go crazy, and then defer the rest when he's done with college. And, and you make stipulations where, hey, you get all of it, you get your four-year degree. Yep. And you finish school, then when you're 21, 22 years old, more mature, you've gone through life a little bit more, and then you get the bulk of the funds because you're right. At 18 years old, you give 18 years old 120 G's a year. You give a 38-year-old man 100 G's. I, I get 100 G's. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. I would defer. I would have some type of deferred comp program, kind of like baseball with those kids, mm-hmm. and let that money grow for them, and they have that money in the future as opposed to uh, all of that money then. You know, I just don't, it, right. it, it can't make it make sense to me. I think they should earn the money and the money should be theirs, but the time period that they get in their hands on some of that money because, you know, you're going to run into horror stories with families spending up right. this money, you know, certain certain things that are just not going, you know, it's just more than getting paid. It's how the money's going to be structured. So, I'm you know, again, like I said, I'm, I'm a finance background, so it's always the money and how it, how the structure of it is always the interesting part to me. The finance background, is that what you, you, you I know you, you have a company, but what's the, what's the financial uh, side of it for me? All right, yeah. So I'm a financial manager for professional athletes. So mm. that's what I do for a living. Um, nice. 
and, and so I work with a number of pros, retired and active players now right. in the NFL and other sports. So um, just from an investment standpoint, uh, state planning standpoint, asset protection, all of those things. So um, always the structure of how it's going to work from that, from that dollars and cents sign always uh, is interesting to me. So uh, your company also, I'm, I know we were talking before the show and we were, we're just getting warmed up, but your company also puts on a youth camp, correct? Called FVO. Yep, FVO. So um, it's called Florida's very own, and the yes. uh, it, it it was birthed from the standpoint that so many guys, we have so many, so much great talent that comes from the state of Florida. I think our football culture is very different than yes. anywhere else in the country. Yes. I think our football culture moves the needle. People follow the trends that we set here in the state of Florida. Um, we have so many we have so many guys that go to the pros from here and and it was a complaint both ways that here locally that guys weren't doing enough that the community felt like guys wasn't doing enough but also understood that guys felt like um they were being hit up for money too much so right, right. We, we we chose i made a decision to do a camp it was it's all free um so we get the top the top six seven and eighth graders from the state all around the state of florida um we had probably i think we had a few hundred kids last year, it would have been bigger this year. So we had a few hundred kids that came out to the camp. It was all free. They got t-shirts, they got headphones, they got cleats, um, gloves. We, you know, we, a lot of giveaways, gift cards. We gave away a lot of things. And we also had some of the top trainers. So we had a uh, gold feet. Uh, we had a nice. uh, sensational. We had the, so the premise was to have the top, uh, youth middle school kids work out with the top trainers from around the state of Florida um, and also invite the top pros to come and put, not to show up to the camp and to uh, just stand on the sidelines, but to put your shoes on to come out and work out with the kids. So it was more, it was more of a workout. So right. we're the, the trainers taking the guys, taking the kids to a workout and we wanted the top pros to come back home. And so it was Florida very young. We had our very own trainers, our very young pros, our very young players. Everything was was South Florida all the way. I mean, just Florida. I'm sorry, all the way around the board. And it wound up being a a, a great thing, you know. And it was it was free, more mainly because when I grew up, my mom and my parents couldn't afford to pay three, four hundred dollars for me to go to a camp. Right. So right. I, I wanted to give the kids the the opportunity to come and showcase their skills. Um, with without having to worry about a financial uh, um, attached anything financial attached to it, this year we were you know we had commitments from pros, we had commitments from some of the top college kids who was going to also come back and work out. So you will see in the future to be some of the top college kids, some of the top pro kids, along with the top middle school kids that working with the top trainers. Um, they all be on the field together, which would be a beautiful thing. All going through the ladders together, all going through ball drills together. Doing everything together, one on one, side by side. So it'll be a beautiful site, um, and we'll continue to grow it. We have, I had a uh, St. Thomas Aquinas head coach, um, Roger Harriet, and I had um, my Miami Central head coach as well. Both of them came out, and while the kids worked out, they had a, they had you know just a conversation with the parents. They did a small seminar with the parents and the in the stands and they talked to them about, you know, just preparing them for the college experience a little bit about what they expect from, you know, from an academic standpoint, their expectation should be from a football standpoint on the field. Um, you know, the importance of, you know, what the myths and the truths about recruiting early commitments. So just a whole educational portion of it as well. So it was all, and again, it was all free. 
And, you know, coming up next year, we'll have it again. You know, I was going to do it at the University of Miami this year. Oh, um, so I'm there. It was going to be done at the University of Miami. It was going to be done in the indoor facility this year right. if, if we didn't have this. So next year, you look forward to be huge. You guys are more than welcome to come out. Oh. Like I said, everybody's welcome. Absolutely. Um, I mean, as long as they want to give back um, in the spirit of giving back and all is working together, everybody's welcome to come out and participate uh, for the kids. So. Absolutely. And if someone's let, interested in finding out where to go to sign up, where to yeah. get more information about it, give us, give us, give us Instagram, socials, where can oh, I yeah. find so you? Right now you have uh, the IG, it's, it's, F, it's F Florida's V very on Florida's very own. It's FVO football. So it's an IG page. They can go on the IG, go check it out. You'll see a lot of the videos um, on there from, from the camp. It was, it was, it was a movie, man. It was something, it was something special. I got, I got calls from people all the way from Connecticut, from California. Wow. I wanted to be a part of, of this camp. Um, right now, it's only it's on. It will be just a Florida thing, um, right. you know, and uh, just grow up from there. So it'll be something should be special. And I want to keep it free. So anybody, um, I want to keep it free for the kids. I want to get it where we, you know, we can give and not always take. So I want to keep this camp free. Oh yeah, absolutely. If we could yeah. send anybody down there for sponsor wise, I'm gonna I'm refer them to you, Rod, and. and I know me and George, we, we, we've been coaching youth football for – George was at 15 years. I'm at 12 um, coaching, yep. and then we moved, we made the jump to high school. So, yeah, yep. absolutely. Any way we can help, man, I'm, I'm, I'm all over that. I'm going to go log on to that FVO football and IG, and I'm going to make sure uh, – anywhere I can contribute, man, I'm going to try to help. Yeah. Real quick before we move on. Last sure. year, so we had we – had, we had of, of that max prep ninth grade All-American team, mm-hmm. I think we had 10 of those kids that was at the camp. Really? Like one of those kids that was at the camp. So we had the best. I mean, some of the Tampa kids, I'm not familiar. Stacey Gage was there, Rod Gaming, Earl Pup. Some of the special kids that were coming up right. in youth football out of Tampa, they were all there. Um, you know, so, you know, Absolutely. Oh, man, that's awesome, man. Well, Rod, I don't want to. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, man. It's been. It's been. I know you're a man that, that's moving and shaking and moving. And, and when you're the king of uh, youth football down in Miami, you know, I know you got busy things to do, man. But uh, anytime, you're more than welcome to come on. You're more than welcome to to represent FVO. You're more than welcome to represent Miami Garden Ravens, man. Yeah, how we can help, man? Absolutely, we're in for sure. All right, thank you guys. I appreciate it, man. Anytime, you know, anything I can do for you guys in the in the meantime, man, just reach out. Let's all, right. all stay safe, bro. All right, coach. Thanks. Next up on the clock on the other side of the break, you're not going to want to miss this. We have University of Kentucky co-offensive coordinator and quarterback coach Darren Henshaw joins the show. You're on the clock. Hey, everybody. I got big news. This Saturday, June 20th, is Juneteenth Father's Day's Rise to Success. This is an event hosted by Crystal Morris. It's between 12 p.m. and 3 p.m. this Saturday. They're going to have a free entry, raffle prizes, food, and drinks. Don't forget, they're going to have also motivational speakers. We're talking Felicia Bell, Angela Gatson, Devin Johnson, Andrea Jackson, Elvis Piggott, Chauncey Chang, Scott, Zaya Moore, and Aaliyah Allen. So much more. Event address is Silver Springs Tower, 455-479 East Bird Street in Tampa, Florida. You're not going to want to miss this one. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Next up on the show... I'm very excited to have this gentleman on the show as an offensive coordinator. Can he be more pumped? We have Kentucky's very own co-offensive coordinator, Darren Henshaw, joining the show. He's a Florida native, quarterback at UCF. This is exciting for us. We can't wait to have him on here. We, we've been reaching out to him all week. This is great. Welcome to the show, Coach. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate you, Coach. And I, and I know you're very busy, man. I know you had a you know, meetings before you joined us. So we really, really appreciate it. My first question to you, coaches, 
What got you into coaching? I know you had a great career at UCF playing quarterback. What inspired you to become a coach and go on the other side of the the pylon, I guess you could say, or the other side? Well, honestly, I mean, when I I got my MBA at uh, UCF, so I got my master's degree, and I was planning on going into business. And Mike Kruzik, who still is in Orlando, uh, he – he was he became the head coach at UCF and and called me and said hey I'd really like you to be my GA and I'm like <laughs> I was like a GA I'm like uh, I was I was making quite a bit of money uh, in the business world so uh, to to go back and be a GA was really really hard but then right. the more I thought about it I said you know what I mean I I'd really love to be a, a, a college coach because I, I talked to him all the time about it and went back and at GA'd and then he hired me as the uh, quarterback coach the next year and and we beat Alabama nice. and then uh, I've been coaching for 20 years 22 years now I think it is so so yeah it's been it's it, it's been a great experience uh, moved to a lot of different schools uh, you know my my uh, I went to Middle Tennessee State was there for five years I was at Georgia Southern for a year I was at Memphis for three years. I was at Tennessee for three years. I was at Cincinnati for three years. And now I'm, this is my fifth year at Kentucky. Wow. That's awesome. I saw, so, so, uh, I saw the coaching resume as well, and I know you've been coaching quarterbacks. I'm a wide receiver coach myself over at Jefferson High School, so I saw that you coached wide receivers. Is that a, another position that you that you like coaching as well? And, and I know as a receiver coach, I can use all the knowledge I can get <laughs> for those receivers. Oh, yeah. That's a special I, group. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt. And, and wide receivers is a, it, you, like you said, it's a special group. You've got to, you really have to, 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 to find out. And every wide receiver that you coach is coached differently. That's the one thing about right. coaching wide receivers. You, you've got to find out what makes them tick. Uh, when I was at Memphis, uh, I happened to coach unbelievable wideouts when I was with uh, Tommy West and Clay Helton. And, uh, Every one of them, I coach different. One, uh, Carlos Singleton, uh, I had to to literally cuss him out every time he did something <laughs> wrong to get him to understand. And then uh, I had Duke Calhoun, who both of those, by the way, still hold records as the the best receivers at Memphis. But yeah. Duke Calhoun, if I if I yelled at Duke for one second, he'd quit and walk off the field. So I had to, <laughs> had to finesse had to, him. Yeah, I had to finesse Duke every time. So, uh, but uh, Clay Helton was a great mentor. He was a great uh, wide receiver uh, coach, and and it was great working with him at Memphis. And but yeah, wide receivers are a special group. Right, there's no doubt about that. Right, absolutely. So in in 20, 2019, you're faced with a with some tough adversity. You lose your quarterbacks. Early in the season, you, you you moved a receiver over to quarterback. How was that adjustment? What what, what was the game plan coming in? Because it really just completely changes your offense at that point from being a vertical kind of you know passing team to now you know now you got a quarterback receiver that's playing that's playing the role. So right. talk about you know that transition and and how was that for you guys last year? Well, I tell you, we started the season and and Terry Wilson was uh, he was he was set to really have a great year and we got. Sawyer Smith, which was uh, to have him transfer in. And then Sawyer did a great job against uh, Florida when we played Florida. And unfortunately, he just broke his wrist in, in the fourth quarter. And and we had our third string quarterback had tore his ACL. And wow. I mean, it was a situation where, and he tore his ACL the last scrimmage. So it was a situation where it wasn't, it wasn't not a, a great situation. Yeah, that's, that's not ideal for a coach. That's, that's no, you and, don't want to be and, in that spot. And, you know, we, we, we on the South Carolina game, we put Lynn in 
at the at the last series, he went right down the field and we scored. And then we came back and Coach Stoops, uh, you know, and it was a it was a hard discussion. Like, are we going to move him full time to quarterback? And we decided to do that. And the one thing that we decided was we weren't going to change any schemes as far as the offensive line goes. We're just going to try to just manipulate and find smoke and mirrors to to be able to get Lynn the ball. And again, he was our best player on, on offense as far as skill positions. So we said, hey, if we're putting the ball in his hand every snap, let's see what happens. Right. 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 It was nerve-wracking as we played Arkansas, but uh, <laughs> it ended up working out. And, and then we went through the season, and, uh, you know, it ended up being a, a really, really good year. It sure did. It worked out real good. And that's what me and George were looking at. We're like, man, that's that's pure, beautiful coaching right there. Like, that's that's something that you can't – That's you know, coaching as, at its greatest. I have because... no idea what we do. <laughs> if we were in this situation, I have no idea what we do. <laughs> So that's good. No, it's it, it was it was a it was a difficult situation. There's no doubt about that. Eddie Grand did an unbelievable job. So did John Schlarman, the offensive line coach. Um, it, it, everybody, Vince Morrow. Um, I mean, everybody came together. And I'll say this: we we would go into games, and and the receivers would know that we're not going to throw the ball more than five or six times. And they went and blocked their tails off because mm-hmm. they wanted right. to win. And right. it put us in a situation where you know we ended up winning the Belk Bowl and. Yep. And it was funny how we won the belt ball on a pass. So that was- <laughs> yes, I I was actually just about to bring that up. So you know, you get the ball back, and you guys go straight down, straight no, down the field. Yep. We actually got the ball back with eight and a half minutes. Really? We ran. Oh, that's right. And you milked 19, it. Nineteen plays in a row, <laughs> and finished and scored with fifteen seconds. And I and I and again, that's credit to Mark Stoops. He does a great job of of managing games, and so does Eddie Grand. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it, it was a lot of fun as far as how, you know, we were trying to say, look, let's keep the ball as long as we can. Right. We got to score a touchdown. Right. And if we could give them no time on the clock, that would be that would be ideal. And we did that in a lot of games. And Mark Stoops is really good at coaching as far as he gets on the headset and he goes, listen, like, just run the clock bleed the clock. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and sure enough, it worked and it was a it was a great finish. You guys, I'm sorry, George. Do you guys practice that in practice, the eight-minute, like trying to, the, the stall ball thing? or No, I'll say this, though. We 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 don't necessarily practice. We practice more two-minute than we do four-minute. We don't right. practice so, yeah, so do we, yeah. as much um, be, because it's there's a lot of physical activity. You can get guys hurt. So right, right. we do practice two-minute a lot, and, and we do that against our defense. But four-minute, we talk about, in co- as far as coaches go and in, in, in as an offense, we do a great job of going, and John Slarman does the best, and going, listen, like we, we go and we have cut-ups made of, of teams that were in the four-minute situation or the last plays of the game, you know, the last plays of the games, you know, that puts you in that situation. And we right. go, okay, what's the best plays we can run that can put us in a situation where we can run the clock out or – and – the other issue is, is that like we were down by six points, but we, we're in a four minute. We're literally running the clock out, trying to run the clock out, so we don't and give score. Back, but we still have to score. Right. right. So it's uh, in in uh, you know that's that's another thing. Just a credit to Mark Stoops going. Listen, he goes, just keep getting first downs, run the clock, and we'll figure it out. And it, it ended up really working out for us. Amazing. I I, I watched that game and. You know, to think about the fact that as a defense, you know what's coming. They're going to run the ball over <laughs> yeah. and over and over again. It must have took their soul out of it. That must have took their soul. It. Yeah, that, that took the soul out of it. It doesn't matter what you run. If it's executed, it all works. Right. Well, it's also, too, a credit to the to the offensive line and to our players. Absolutely. They, they, I mean, they knew 
what you got to go to war. I mean, right. you got to literally put your hand down and you know what's, you know that they know, and you've got to go to war and you've got to go do your techniques correct. You, and then that's the one thing that happened last year that was phenomenal is that the, everybody was bought in. And when everybody buys in and everybody's doing the same thing and everybody believes and you find ways to win. Absolutely. Is that one of your, your greatest memories, favorite memory in college football? I know it has to be one. I know you might have many more coaching after 20 years. It, it, there's, I'm sure you have a whole bunch, but is there a few that stick out to your mind that, that you really, really loved? Well, the, the the first one would be when I was at UCF and I was in the the press box. Gene Shizik was next to me and we beat mm. Alabama. Yeah, um, at Alabama, that was that was pretty special and uh, I'll never forget that uh, as long as I can live. My brother actually Tyson Henshaw was the receiver. He caught for 100, I think it was 190 yards that game. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, he had three touchdowns. It was it was a huge that was a huge memory. Um, but there's lots of great memories as far as it, it coaching goes. But here at Kentucky, I'll tell you, you know, we, we, we find in, you know, we, my first year here, we started off and I had Drew Barker, who was a five-star quarterback. um, And we had our passing game set. We felt very comfortable with what we were doing offensively. And we played Southern Miss the first game and he throws five touchdowns in the first half. Wow. Um, So I was like, that's, that's what, you know, we were used to at Cincinnati because we had one of the best offenses in the country at Cincinnati. And and then we ended up losing that game and he ended up hurting his back. And mm-hmm. we went through a lot of turmoil. And then Steven Johnson comes in and the Louisville win, uh, we were 28 point underdogs and Steven Johnson throws wow. for 375 yards. Mm-hmm. And we beat, and that's with Lamar Jackson, who's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty yeah. good. Right. <laughs> he's doing all right in the NFL. Right, right, right. <laughs> And he's killing the NFL right now. So that was a great memory. Um, you know, and, and there's been great memories, obviously, the Citrus Bowl win uh, and how we found a way to go uh, to beat a great Penn State team uh, who was, I mean, really, really good and, and won that game. And, and we ended up 11th in the country. And then last year, the, the Belk Bowl win and finding a way to go win. There's a lot of great memories there. So, you know, it's it's so one of those, you know, I'm just looking forward to more great memories. Right. So, that's right. right. 2020 right. year. It should be it should be a great year. So, you know, we talked to a lot of players on the show. We talked to a lot of high school aspiring college athletes and we talked to them a lot about pregame routine. And I know us as coaches, yeah, I, I got we a, are very I got a strict. dumb pregame routine, but I, I got one too. But so what is your pregame routine, you know, mm-hmm. ready for a game? And does it change based on who the opponent is for you that week? Or is it the same no matter what? So you're just talking like before the game, like when you yes, go Yeah, on, like do you, you have a you weird have... superstition? Like I got to put my hat on off <laughs> three times before? <laughs> no, I just, I do the same thing. I, I'll, I'll say this, I'd stand outside and wait for the first group to go out because I'm always with the first group. Right. Who, who's the quarterbacks and the returners and, and those guys. And we go out and warm up, so... I always put a, uh, I always chew gum. I always put a piece of gum in my mouth <laughs> as I walk out, and then we go onto the field, and then we start warming up. And it, it's been the same routine uh, basically everywhere I've been. Uh, and we go through, you know, we'll we'll go through, we'll throw the ball, and I'll make them, I'll make them start throwing at 10 yards and 20, 30, 40. Then I want them throwing 50, 6, you know, 50 as far as they can throw it, so they get their arms ready with their pads on and all that stuff. Right. And then after that, I, I just really want them to relax. I don't want it to be stressful. I don't want it to be, uh, you know, and then we'll, we'll go into a stretch. Uh, we'll do a, Well, first we'll do like a route, uh, 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 
like a routes on air kind of situation. Mm-hmm. We'll stretch. Then we'll go back to a routes on air situation with the receivers. And again, we won't throw many balls. It, we, you know, it's not a situation where I want them to, to get over, you know, overthrow. Right. Right. We'll do, uh, we'll do six skelly snaps where we'll throw Skelly against the defense. And, you know, basically it's it's very low key. I just want him to find him, you know, finding a target, going to a target. And then we'll go to uh, team drills where we'll hand the ball. And all we'll do is catch the ball and hand it off. So I want him making sure that, you know, they get their snaps and they hand the ball off to the running backs. And, you know, and we'll go against the defense on that. And then basically we're done. I mean, it's yeah. – when we get out there, the main thing is just relax. You know, just don't stress out and just enjoy the moment, and then let's get back to the locker room. Let's get focused on what our first plays of the game is, and then I'll pray with them, and then we'll go through our first series, what what we're planning on calling. I'll go through the first third and one, third and two to three, third and four to six, third and seven to ten, what we're going to call in the red zone if we get in the red zone, and we'll have, you know, and I'll go through that with them very quickly, and then I'm headed to the box, so I'm (laughs) I'm I'm going up and it we had four rain games and believe me it was nice. Oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> On the headsets, you guys okay down there? <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, it looks like it's raining pretty hard, and they're like, yeah, and I don't want to say what they said. <laughs> Passionately, they said something, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll say this: it was really enjoyable uh, with Lynn. Lynn had some uh, some horrible, I mean, horrible rain games. He had to be the, I mean, quarterback in and. He did not turn the football over. Nice. I mean, he did an unbelievable job. And the quarterbacks always come back to the phone and talk to me after every series. And he came back to me and talked to me every series. Tell me what he was going through his mind, what's going on. We would talk through the next series and what we're going to do. And that that having that communication is key in right. being able to be successful. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Coach, I got, I got uh, another question for you, man. So, uh, you know, high school coaches, and we, they're always inspiring to, to try to coach in college. What is some advice for an aspiring uh, high school coach that wants to make that jump to college? What, what would be some of your advice to, to, to give to that individual who might want to go graduate, graduate assistant, you know, GA, and make that jump? Well, I'll tell you what, the NCAA has is, is really uh, trimmed the rules now where you, you – out of and I'll say this out of out of when you get out done with college and you want to be a college coach you've got to go volunteer or find a way to get into a university and start growing with the program some some of the the guys that uh, I've helped go on to other jobs started off as managers I mean and they were committed to to finding a way um, and it's not easy it's not easy at all for for really for anybody um, but you know, and obviously it's who, you know, you got to, right. you got to know people, you got to know somebody that'll get you in the door. Obviously GA is the best way to get in the door. The, 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 they put restrictions on GAs now where if you graduate, you know, you only have eight years uh, after you graduate that you can be a GA. I think that's the rule now. And they keep changing it on us all the time, right. Right. you know, and, and then there's, there, there's also now with, in, with high school coaches, the, you know, the, the rule is, is that if, if you recruited anybody from that school or anything like that, you can't join, you can't come, you know, to that, to that college. Wow. So, yeah. So that's a, that's a new rule that was recent about two years. Maybe it's, been three years now where, you know, if you have any kind of connection to any players or anybody that even has been recruited, you can't, you can't go to that college. So I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a tough road for, 
for high school coaches now to get into college coaching. And I'll say this to, to young, to young guys, everybody that wants to inspire to, to, you know, to be a college coach, you gotta, you gotta go find a way to get in the university. And a lot of time it's volunteering. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, and you look at some of these NFL coaches, I mean, some of these NFL yeah. coaches, they started off as volunteers and right. now they're head coaches. So, <laughs> right. right. I mean, it's, you know, and you, you, you also have to give it to God. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and put him first place and, and he'll lead you the right direction. But, um, you know, I went in G8 and I had a, my wife, obviously, and I had two two young daughters and it was and I gave up a, a business, you know, a job. I was making quite a bit of money to go be a GA and make, you know, <laughs> $2,453 a semester. Mm. Some people said I was crazy. Like people were like, what are you doing? And Right. You know, here I am today. So it's, you know, God has paid a, off. Yeah. So, I mean, God has a plan. You just, you have to, you have to just go, you know, you decide what you want to do and go commit to it and go do it. Absolutely. So I got two questions for you, coach. One of them is, is something that does happen. Also, a kid is getting recruited by a, a, a university and there's a coaching change. And and, and I, as I was preparing for, for today's meeting, I saw that happen to you when you were, you were being recruited by Florida and the, the head coach was at Florida, went somewhere else. And then you ended up going to UCF and, and having a great career at, at UCF. How did that that change in coaching kind of affect you and kind of your thought process? I mean, it was a long time ago, but how did it affect your thought process and any advice you give to to our high school kids that go through the same situation day in and day out and they kind of left in limbo? Well, I, I'll say this is that, you know, you got to look at the, the history of the school and what happened. And what happened with me, I was being recruited by Galen Hall um, at Florida. Uh, I thought I had a, a great shot at going there. And I I had Florida jackets and all kinds of stuff, growing, <laughs> I mean, growing up. So I really wanted to go there. And then uh, Steve, Steve Spurrier obviously uh, replaced him and left Duke and went, mm. and went there. And then he's, he, uh, he signed a different quarterback and it was actually Terry Dean, who was my rival quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when I say rival, he was at Baron Collier and I was at Charlotte. Uh, oh, wow. In Down Naples. in Naples. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we actually played for the district title and, and they won in double overtime. So if Terry's listening, <laughs> I mean, uh, it was, a, it was an absolute war. They won in double overtime. It was a, uh, it was a great game. There was 16,000 people at the game. Wow. So that was a, yeah, was that's, a, that's a championship type of crowd. Woo. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was, uh, so, and then after that, um, um, but anyways, the, 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 this, you know, this, it's a situation too, where, um, you know, the, again, with, with, you know, with, with with coaching and with everything that's going on right now it's it's tough with with players as far as trying to talk to them about you know coaching changes and different things like that because that's going to happen that's just the environment now right you really got to pick a school that you love and where you want to go and also there's there's also been a lot of successful transfer kids that have transferred out that have went look at joe burrow right yeah i mean he doesn't even play a snap and he goes to lsu and uh, and, and I know Joe pretty good. Um, Joe and I, you know, text back and forth through his career. And, you know, he throws 16 touchdowns at LSU his first year, and, and they don't even have him as a free agent. I mean, he's a free agent, if anything. And now he, right. he ended up being first pick. Number in the one draft. of all pick. Right. <laughs> I mean, so there, there's not there's not really a, a, a thing that you tell a kid that, like, look, this is what's going to happen because everyone that gets recruited – everything that happens in your life is it's different for every kid. 
It really right. is. It is. Yeah. It is. And the bottom line is, is that, you know, the, the one thing I'll tell kids is that you, you got to have the work ethic. You got to go put in time. You don't, don't, don't be those guys that are, you know, the, the, the front runner guys. Don't be those guys. Be the guys that are the gym rats that work hard. When no one's looking at you, when no one's watching you, what are you doing? Right. That's exactly the key. right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and that's what we tell our players. So, and then just be the best version of yourself. That's, that's the best you can do. Be the best version of yourself. Right. Exactly. That's great coach. And, and, and the last one I have for you is um, I coach quarterbacks and I have, I have an incoming freshman coming in this year. I have uh, some older guys as well. Any advice, and, and for me, what I found in the couple of years now coaching high school, quarterback is the hardest position to get recruited at because you get someone fired <laughs> at that position easily. <laughs> right. So a, a, any advice for quarterbacks coming in as far as things that colleges look for on film? Yeah, you can throw the ball 60 yards, but the footwork, right? It, you know, so how can a kid that aspires to, to play college football at the quarterback position prepare themselves from a freshman early on and then also as he gets later later in his career? Well, again, I'm just going to tell you what I look for. And the number one thing that, that I look for is motion. Um, you know, obviously, how fast can he get the ball from point A to point B? Um, I talk about pronation, just the pronation. Again, it's the it's the Nolan Ryan where the, the ball is going away from your head and where you're throwing it where the ball is not coming over your head. Right. And just through process of, you know, recruiting and, and – identifying great quarterbacks over the years it it's the motion is the biggest thing that that is that you look for then after that footwork like you said george is huge i mean your your feet have to be phenomenal um and Mm. but that can be that can be improved so motion number one second thing is feet and then third you know the third obviously intangibles i want i want kids that are smart good grades um that want to come in and be leaders um that again you know that that aren't that don't have issues or troubles or anything yep. where where it's a problem because you're the leader of the team right. and yeah. if you're getting in trouble in school or you're making mistakes or you're doing things that are that are that you know that aren't correct i i mean i'm done i'm going on to the next guy um so the and then the the you know the the final thing is is that i can increase like i athletic ability obviously is huge i think that you know and you and you you really we we dive into the dual threat quarterback versus the pocket guy and you know in in our offense like we we can change what we need to do based on what your skills are so i'm looking for okay if there's a kid that's athletic that can run like a deer can do things and everything and his motion's a little bit shaky we, we can work with that. We'll figure out a way because we know what we can do with this kid because he's an athlete. But if he's a pocket guy, again, his motion's got to be really good. And again, right. he's got to have all those intangibles because he's got to go, he's got to be the Tom Brady. He's got to yeah, go pick the stationary the guy. So, you know, answering your question, I'm, I'm, that's, that's what I look for. And then we, we, you know, then we basically rank them. Uh, I go film them over and over and over. Unfortunately, in this time uh, of year, we, <laughs> Right now, with the with the virus and everything that's going around, right. uh, as far as they won't let us go recruit, this is when I normally go put you know put together a nice library of twenty two quarterbacks, twenty three quarterbacks, even twenty four quarterbacks, and start continuing to build that library right. of, of film so that when I show Mark Stoops, like this is going to be our quarterback, mm-hmm. we have 
as much film, as much data, as much information, transcripts, everything that, that possibly, I mean, I'll go talk to the lunch lady, whatever we got to do to find <laughs> out about this kid. Right. This is going to be our quarterback because we're normally yeah. just take one a year. Right. And I'll say this to quarterbacks. Listen, d- don't think that we don't talk to lunch ladies or we don't talk to the secretary <laughs> and we don't ask them, what do you think about this kid? Right. Like, is he a good kid? Is he a good person? Um, and, and you know, that, and I'll say this too, the NFL does the exact same thing. They're yeah. not going to invest $20 million into a kid that's, that's, you know, that's not doing things right. Uh, even when you're in college, even in a, and again, that's, that's a situation where, you know, I talk about the intangibles again, continue to do the right thing and continue to be the right person that you are. And then how does social media play a role into it? Cause a lot of kids now on <laughs> social media, kids try to hide things with having spam accounts and, and, yeah. and these accounts that they think people can't get in front of. And how, how big of a role has that played in, in college recruiting now as we continue to evolve it? Well, it's, it's huge. Um, as far as just the, you know, kids want to kid. And again, kids want to be on Twitter. They want to be on all the, all the different, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it as much as that. I'll say this, we educate our players to death as far as, you know, saying the right things on Twitter. And again, building, we call it building your brand. Like, who are you? Right. Uh, And it's your resume. It's your resume. And it's huge. And, um, you know, Benny Snell is a great example of a kid that came in and um, he was our running back. Uh, He's with the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. But, I mean, he had maybe 5,000 followers when he came in. And then next thing you know, he has 95,000 followers. (laughs) Immediately. Yeah. (laughs) Immediately. You know, and and Snellia and everything that that he he built a brand that was – you know, and, and that I also have to give credit to to our uh, SID, our, our sports information director um, in our department. They do a great job of branding our kids. And it's the same thing for high school kids. What is your brand? What do you want to be known as? Right. Uh, when you say the word Disney, what what pops in your mind? You know, in in when they say your name, what do people say about you? So, again, it's one of those situations where we continue to try to build brands with 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 social media and Again, in recruiting, it's 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 huge too, as far as getting offers and then commitments, and then they put it on Twitter or they put it on whatever social media that they put it on. But at the end of the day, you're still building a relationship like you always have for for 20 years. You got to build that relationship with the family and the parents and continue to work on that. Um, that's that's the biggest thing. I appreciate that, Coach. Coach, I, I know we took up a lot of your time. I, I apologize. I know you're a busy man. Uh, I'm, we're, we're pretty much wrapped up, Coach, but I, I just want to tell you, okay. thank you so much. Good luck to you and, and Kentucky in the 2020 season. I know me and George, we're going to be watching closely, and if you ever want to come back on, Coach, we're just two guys eating Hot Pockets and drinking beers, and we're, we're okay <laughs> here, Coach. You're more than welcome to come join us and, and talk with us anytime you want, okay, Coach? Yeah, and I hope to see you guys at Jefferson. I recruit Tampa, so I recruit I recruit that whole area, so I'll come by and see you guys. Absolutely, and sure. me, me and George, we know a lot of good Cuban spots here in, in, in Tampa. <laughs> we'll go get you some Cuban food. We're, we're good to go, Coach. Oh, that's awesome, guys. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Appreciate Coach. It, you have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you. All righty. Man, that's all the time we got today. Another great show here on the clock. I want to say thank you to the guests that came on to the show, Rod Mack, Darren Henshaw. I'm That was great, man. I'm super excited about what we just did, man. That was awesome. George, what do you think, man? How do you feel about it? I loved it. Getting to talk to Coach Henshaw there from Kentucky as an offensive coordinator, I was pumped. Learned a lot of things from him. 
also listening to Rod Mack and some of the things he talked about and what's going on in Miami was was really interesting as well. Uh, if you guys want to listen to future episodes, go ahead and hit subscribe. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio by simply searching On The Clock. You can also visit our website by going to fanstreamsports.com. Until next time, you're on the clock.